Welcome to Faith Seeking Understanding for Sunday, February the 21st, 2021. I'm John Green and I'm your host. So today we've got the lessons that you'll see down below in the description are Psalm 63, 1 to 11, Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 10, 1 Corinthians 1, 17 to 31, and Mark 2, 18 to 22. And again, I'm going to remind you that because I was, I had a seminary professor that suggested the lectionary was intended to work this way. I'll be going in the order of essentially the the Old Testament lesson, the gospel, and then back to the epistle. So that's the format. So here we go. So remember that what we've been doing and what we'll be working in for quite some time is the book of Deuteronomy, and that is uh, Moses's final address to the people, and so he can share all his concerns and all his hopes and all his memories as well. And so that's what you're going to get in the book of Deuteronomy. And Moses is going to recount the most important things in history. He's going to point theologically to the Ten Commandments on multiple occasions. He's going to talk a lot about faith. He's going to talk about trust a good bit. And he's going to talk a lot about remembering. Because his biggest concern that he's got for the people is that they'll forget. That they'll forget the Lord. They'll forget how they got where they are. And they'll begin to take credit for it in some shape, form, or fashion. So this week, what we're going to be looking at is, is Moses trying to point them away from any thought of re- remembering wrongly, that remembering that, that they somehow were responsible for getting themselves safely to the promised land and taking the promised land, that they were somehow responsible for them even coming out of Egypt. And, and worse than that, he says, you're going to you're going to take responsibility for being so good that God chose you, and, and, and that's not true, he says. And that's the thing you need to really guard against is some idea that there was some merit in you that caused God to choose you. And he says, no, he did it because he's faithful to his own promises, the promises that he made to the fathers, and, and there's no um, evidence of why he would have chosen Abraham to start with, and then Isaac and Jacob and continuing through the line to that day. And so it's God's faithfulness that matters here, not their faithfulness. And and so what Abraham is trying to do is is to get them safely into the land, and they're going to set up all these festivals. And those festivals are, are there to mark the great things that God has done, and they're there to mark those things because they need to remember those things. And that's kind of how the lectionary works and how the church calendar works, frankly, is is it puts us in mind of how things were and our need for Jesus is, is the reason we go through this season of Lent. And it's designed in some ways to mimic um, the Jewish calendar because we're, we're trying to put ourselves in mind of um, what it, why we should celebrate Easter. And, and it has to do with coming through a season of being hyper-aware at some level of your own sins and your own sinfulness. Because when you go through seasons of discipline like this, when you've given up something for Lent or taken on something for Lent, there's a there's a period of transition where we're getting accustomed to those things, and those aren't easy, you know? Let's just acknowledge that. I gave up um, caffeine one year, and I thought I was going to die for about the first two weeks um, because I had a headache so bad every day. But So when Moses here is reminding the people, he says this, he begins with the whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, 
that you live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. He's telling them it's important that they continue to do and be a very specific kind of people. That they, they are the people who keep the commandments that God gave them in order that they might possess the land that he gave to the, swore to the fathers to give them. And then he reminds them of all the things that they've had to deal with. And he says, you know, he did, God did that. He tested you in order to humble you. In this week's Sunday lessons, uh, the gospel is Jesus going into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And so it, what, what the, Moses is arguing here is that, the, that God took the, his people into the wilderness to test them and humble them. To see what was in their heart, and so he, you know, he goes through things like he allowed you to hunger, and then he fed you with the manna. He didn't give you water right away, and you had to do that. Had to wait for him and trust him and believe in him to do that, and you didn't do that well with it. You grumbled, and so you had to had to learn not to grumble. You had to learn to pray <laughs> instead of grumbling. You had to learn to trust. And so what he says about the manna, though, is he said he, he wanted to test them that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, which is exactly what Jesus says to Satan when Satan tries to tempt him to turn a stone into bread after his own 40-day fast in the wilderness. So Jesus already knew those things, but he's being tested as well. And who led Jesus into the, into the wilderness in, in that um, episode it was the spirit that led him out right after he was baptized he needed to be tested um, because he was going to face lots and lots of tests throughout his uh, next three years of ministry and so then he goes on Moses does to talk about God disciplining the people and discipline is something that's really important if we want to be really good at something uh, physically or, or even mentally intellectually whatever we need to discipline ourselves to do that. It takes certain disciplines to, to do anything. Michael uh, Jordan and Larry Bird, for instance, are two incredibly disciplined guys. Probably the best sports example right now is Tom Brady, who's in, in his 40s, just won a Super Bowl. And, and if you want to see somebody who is incredibly disciplined, look at Brady's discipline of diet and exercise that he follows, and it served him well. But, but if we want to do anything well, we have to discipline ourselves. And so if the Lord wants us to become like him, following his commandments and trusting him and having faith in him in all circumstances, he has to discipline us. He has to test us. Because a faith that's not tested is not actually faith at all. It's just, um, it's too simple. It's not proven. And so it needs to be proven. And so he, he wanted to test them and prove them so that they could be the kind of people who could live in this incredible land that he's going to give them. And then Moses goes on to tell everything about that land and how wonderful it is. And, and he says, and at the end of that, you'll eat and be full and you can bless the Lord your God for the land he's given you. And that's important that we keep that discipline of blessing him and giving him thanks for everything in our lives and we have so much to be thankful for so much that we take for granted we have homes we have um, warm homes cool homes in the summertime we have physically we have all kinds of things um, we have our health we have just so much that we can give thanks for our friends our church our family our whatever um, and, and that is a discipline in and of itself in order to, in, to be thankful for those things so, it, so that's Moses' word is, is that I want to prepare you for this by, by reminding you of much and then encouraging you in other things to keep moving forward. 
And so in the gospel lesson today, there's this enormous challenge that Jesus sets out for those who would come and question him and his disciples. It's a season of fasting for Israel, and yet Jesus and his disciples are not keeping that fast, even though John and his disciples are keeping the fast, and so they come and question him. But why would you, why is why are you not fasting? And Jesus says, "Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom's taken away from them, and they'll fast in that day." Jesus is making an enormous claim here, and it's got to be an incredible struggle for the people who hear that to to hear that without just becoming furious, because he's claiming to be the bridegroom, claiming to be the Messiah. He's overturning the liturgical calendar and saying, you guys can feast, but but right now I'm here. And so the time for, I mean, you can fast, but the time for feasting is here because I'm here. And then he goes on with that and tells the little stories of no one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. And if he does, the patch tears away once it's been um, uh, laundered or washed or whatever, then it's going to tear away from the other as it begins to shrink itself. So you need to shrink that thing first. And then he talks about new wine into new wine skins. Don't put them into the old ones for their burst. They'll explode. <clears throat> you need new wine skins to handle the, the process of fermentation within it with the uh, expansion of all those things. And so, so he is saying a new thing is come. Stop trying to put that into the old thing. It's a huge step for Jesus, but he's telling them how to become kingdom people and saying the kingdom of God is here right now. And so since the kingdom is here, there's a different way of living. And then Paul goes on in, in the First Corinthians passage. His point is, is within that same thing, and that is, is understand the new thing. We want to go back to the old thing because it's comfortable to go back to the old thing. And, and, and Paul is dealing with the Corinthian people who are a little bit skeptical in some ways about Paul himself um, because they, they've had all these other eloquent pastors come to him, those he refers to later as super apostles. And, and it seems that the Corinthians got taken away with some of those super apostles and, and they began to, to follow after them and prefer them. They were more eloquent than Paul. And Paul says, no, I preach a real simple message, right? I preach um, Christ and him crucified. The power is not in my words, he says. The power is in the cross of Christ. And so I'm not coming to do all these other things in order to impress you or anybody else. I'm going to preach a very simple message of Jesus Christ, the incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension, and the coming again. That's what I'm going to preach. That's it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to come and, and try and capture you with my own rhetoric. I'm coming to tell you the simple truth. And he said, the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. So I'm going to park myself right there, and I'm going to talk about that. And he says, I understand that everybody won't be happy with that. Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. So the foolishness of God, he says, is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And he's pointing them back, just as Moses did, the people of his age, to what God had done for them. Don't be caught up in all the rhetoric, he says. Just accept the simple, plain truth of the gospel, which was Jesus was resurrected from the dead. He's the only one who has ever been resurrected from the dead. Embrace that and move forward in his example. 
Don't try to make it a thousand times more difficult. Remember what he's done for you and do what he told you to do. And that's the message always. If you believe Jesus to be exactly who he says he was, the bridegroom, the one who was to come, then remember what he did and do what he told you.